Bits, a brief podcast before the M&A and Tech Conference in Berlin. Only one more week before the M&A in the Tech Sector Conference is kicking off in Berlin, Germany. Welcome to another episode of Tech Law Bits. This is a small podcast interviewing some of the moderators of sessions and roundtables prior to the conference the International Bar Association will hold. My name is Martin Schoenbacher. I'm a tech and data lawyer at Houting in Berlin. And with me today are Giselle Roussel of Australia in Brussels, Belgium, and Maura O'Neill of William Fry in Dublin, Ireland. And welcome to the both of you. Thank you very much, Martin. Thanks, Martin. Um, the topic we're going to discuss today and that you will have at your table next week is effective approaches to due diligences in technology M&A deals. Before we come into uh, the talking about the topic, maybe um, you go first and introduce us briefly to the listeners. Giselle, maybe you want to start. Okay, thanks, Martin. So my name is Giselle Rossell. Um, I am an uh, M&A partner at, uh, with Australia, a law firm in Brussels, Belgium. I'm heading the M&A practice. Um, I have a particular focus on technology deals. I'm also, I was the former co-chair of the IBA Corporate and M&A Committee, and I'm the current um, member of the advisory board to that same committee. So you more or less dropped out on the top like me with the technology law committee. So yeah, they, they still exactly. hold us in the they still hold us in the advisory board. Yeah, um, right. Uh, Moira. Yes. Hi, uh, Moira O'Neill. I'm a corporate partner in William Fry in Dublin, Ireland, um, with a particular focus on uh, scaling and emerging Irish technology companies who will receive uh, venture capital funding, and then ultimately on the of those companies. I do also act on the buy side as well for many M&A tech deals, uh, of which there are, have been a lot, I guess, in Ireland in recent years, because as we all know, there's a big technology uh, focus in here in Dublin with a lot of the uh, technology, big technology companies uh, headquartered here in Ireland, or certainly their EU headquarters are in Ireland. Because of the weather, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. the the people the people from the west coast of the states love coming here. Yeah, same. Well, there wouldn't be any better in Brussels or Berlin. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, well, the, the two of you with with you, the practice you just described seem to be like perfectly fit to to talk about uh, well the different approaches, more or less effective you can have on a diligence uh, in technology M and A deals. Um, but maybe some of the listeners don't yet know what to expect when coming to your table. Maybe, Giselle, you want to kick off and say um, a few words onto your topic. Yeah, sure. Um, so the idea is to have uh, an open uh, discussion with our colleagues on um, approaches to due diligence and uh, what makes them effective. Um, we will touch, uh, I guess, on, on, on many topics, but it will all start with, uh, for example, scoping uh, the due diligence with the client. And um, this may depend on, on, on many factors, for example, like um, the size of the deal, the nature of the client, is the client a private equity player or a strategic uh, buyer? Also, uh, will the client um, do some of the due diligence in-house or outsource part of the due diligence? What are the synergies? Uh, for example, also, 
will um, there be uh, W&I insurance taken out that will also impact uh, the due diligence exercise? So that is one of the topics, um, but then I leave it to uh, Mara to uh, continue. Sure, yeah. So as Giselle mentioned, scoping. So not only scoping, I guess, with, with clients, but what is also important we find in deals is um, to ensure our specialist colleagues also understand the scope or to liaise with them to understand what their approach might be or, or how they consider uh, we can be most effective for the client um, and in the time frame involved, obviously, as well, because some deals are, uh, you know, done at a very fast pace. Um, also, and certainly... Uh, we find this in Ireland. Sometimes we are our local council on tech, technology deals. Maybe the, uh, the the company isn't based here, but there's a large um, there's a large uh, practice or subsidiary in Ireland, or or perhaps sometimes a small one. Um, so scoping uh, with with our international colleagues to to understand that we are all on the same page and we're all approaching the diligence in in the same way and in a consistent manner to to provide the benefit for the client. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of uh, stuff to talk about in this already. Maybe just one point picking out, uh, picked out of this. You said it depends on who the buyer or potential buyer is as to how to scope uh, um, the diligence process. Do you want to like hint on, on one or two things that might be different for, like, uh, on depending on who the buyer is? Yeah, sure. Um, in terms, if you have a private equity player, of course, there's a, a different investment um, scope in terms of timing. Uh, they're, they're looking at an exit after five to seven years. They are very, very focused, of course, on um, the management because it's the management that uh, needs to kind of create the value and, and make sure that they will have a successful exit. Um, very often we do see, um, and I'm, I'm interested to see, Mauro, whether you see the same, that they're further um, advanced in terms of cyber focus on cybersecurity, for example. Um, they, they will have um, a specific cybersecurity due diligence, specific cybersecurity uh, reps and warranties. Very often they also involve um, cybersecurity uh, insurance, WI uh, insurance. So it's a different, more specialist expert focus that, that we see than compared to uh, a strategic buyer with much more long-term um, invested um, and maybe sometimes uh, with less expertise in terms, for example, on, on cybersecurity. I do not know. Yeah, we, we yeah, do, I would, yeah. yeah, no, I would echo that. Uh, sometimes, I guess, industry players are looking uh, a bit more towards synergies um, and, you know, areas, areas of synergy or uh, lack of synergy, I guess, because they're going to integrate perhaps this, you know, this new tech company into their own uh, business. Um, they also may have the capabilities in-house uh, to do certain diligence themselves. So obviously that will uh, affect the scoping exercise. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you know, the approaches will be different depending on who's at the table. Yes. Um, and, and whether it's their whether it's their first acquisition actually or, or not. Uh, so, you know, uh, a strategic player who's done this many times may approach it differently to somebody for whom it's their first bolt on perhaps after they've done a private equity deal, right. which we've seen too. Yeah. yeah, it makes absolute sense. Uh, it's, it's funny how, how you mention cybersecurity because there's going to be an, a, a different table on cybersecurity issues in M&A and, and same on insurance, uh, you know, how things change when insurance come, comes into play. I just uh, uh, talked to uh, Morris and Alethea on this issue a couple of days ago. So that that is, um, uh, yeah, 
lots of bits and pieces in diligence processes and and i'm really looking forward to to hear uh what others think on your on your table um in terms of what others think, do you do you see any issues that might be seen differently by others what are controversial topics um in diligences and how you approach them effectively um I do not think because I think due diligence in the end is equally important for a seller and a buyer, even if they look at it from a different angle. Um, so, um, Mara and I, we discussed it and we did not think that there were really controversial issues, um, in our topic, but maybe there are some in the due diligence exercise itself, um, some, some, um, pressing issues in the tech due, due diligence. Um, for example, if, um, you look at, um, there, there are different ones, but very often due diligence has been underrated and, uh, in the end, it's it's really an exercise on focusing on value creation, for example, retaining uh, or yeah, getting and retaining key talent, um, also in terms of IP um, ownership, uh, transferability of uh, IP, cybersecurity, as mentioned. So there are really very important value creations which needs attention. And I think now due diligence is getting um, a bit more attention again, because um, given the uncertainty and the uncertain market conditions. So that's what we see in, in our practice, but um, I leave it to Amaro to see. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, actually that's on that point, I think uh, over the last couple of years, um, we saw people moving very fast for, for, for targets that they felt they might be in competition with others for. And obviously we, we know that the tech valuations, um, were large and people were competing with each other. So, you know, a competitive advantage was, uh, you know, an agreement to be able to do uh, legal DD very quickly. And so, you know, the focus might might not have been uh, as strong perhaps or as deep. Um, so the the move to, to more uh, deep or, or lengthy DD or just more focused. Um, another point myself and Giselle were, were talking about was, um, I guess, classification of risk and, and risk appetite that, that buyers will have. Um, or may have had in the past and whether they're, you know, uh, how we classify things. So uh, you probably know, Martin, typically a, a, a legal DD might have a, you know, traffic light system for a red, amber, green classification of the types of risks that have been identified by specialists. And sometimes there can be a discussion about whether we agree that something is a red versus an orange risk uh, as between ourselves or sometimes actually with, with external counsel or, or internal counsel um, and, you know, the approach to that, uh, it'd be interesting to have the discussion with our colleagues, I think, on on what they're seeing in that space or, or if they think that will change in the in the coming months. Great, yeah. Uh, what we think, what I sometimes think when seeing these sheets is, like, why is everything yellow? Can, can you please uh, <laughs> decide? <laughs> whether Get off the fence. A... Get off the fence. Right, right. So that, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I was yeah. thinking. I think that is interesting. And then in terms of controversy, uh, what I find interesting is obviously me as a tech lawyer, I, I have always, uh, you know, had a close look at, you know, technology aspects at, on software licensing, on data yeah. protection, on cyber now. And, and, you know, us mostly being a small part in a diligence process and being like asked by other lawyers to, to add this aspect. Um, they, they, they sometimes seem to think that, we do is not as important and, and shouldn't take that much effort in parentheses money uh, uh, than, than, <laughs> than, than the real risks. And then 
but you know after they have uh, or some some private equity you know businesses have uh, seen some cyber uh, uh, risks actually materialize that has changed in the past so and, and that goes in what what you said that you know it's it's um yes it can it can be a controversy as to what to put your you know the most effort in um, mm-hmm. and things have I think changed into our into the tech direction mm-hmm. yeah we also um, we sure. had a deal where um, and that's typically in segregation um, cases where uh, there was not a proper due diligence carried out in um, beforehand and then after the closing um, suddenly if all the segregation issues of the data and, and so on and then I think that people understand the importance of, of due diligence when things go wrong. Okay. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I had to reorg a company at last minute to, to uh, move everything into a new clean business just for one contract that, you know, for a geopolitical risk that, you know, was very, I mean, objectively very minor, but important enough that we had to turn around and move the entire business bar one contract out of the, you know, out of the company into another prior to sale at, at the very last minute. So, well, yeah. at least it was These before closing, I guess. Um, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Great. I've been asked this, the same question to all my interview partners in the last podcast episodes I recorded, and that is why should attendees uh, join your table on, uh, uh, on Thursday uh, morning and Friday morning? We have two, three rounds all in all. And maybe, uh, Maura, you want to start? Uh, pitching your table sure um so i mean we all know that legal dd it's a it's an inevitable phase of a, a technology transaction it's critically important uh, something that as giselle mentioned earlier is something that maybe isn't seen as um it's not the sexy part of the deal but it's very important and uh, you know we we need to make our clients happy and actually identifying risks or, or issues early is something that's you know very important to the clients so being able to do that uh, efficiently and effectively is obviously very important as practitioners. Uh, we'll keep our clients happy if we if we do a good job in an effective manner. Um, and I think, you know, we are going to be looking to share ideas amongst colleagues and also looking to understand um, if there are any new or novel ways that our fellow practitioners are using maybe legal tech, um, you know, that they're utilizing to, to carry out this process or that, you know, that are assisting them in the process and I'm looking forward to maybe to um to having those conversations and and learning and sharing with with our colleagues so uh we'd encourage people to join us and uh build on the conversation great and I I think that um as um Mauro explained it is um the due diligence is kind of uh the first building block of every transaction you could compare it to um and that's the fun part playing the monopoly game uh, you know, you have the uh, goal square and every player needs to start from the goal square before moving around. And it's a bit of the same. We are, our round table is the goal square, um, uh, which you cannot skip uh, before you move around the other round tables. So it's well, having fun. Yeah. And Don't be fooled. 
Excellent. Don't be fooled by those tables with, with chocolates on them. So they're the people who have nothing good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a ploy to get you to sit down. G- Giselle needs to bring the chocolate from Belgium. So that's that's a good pitch to, to <laughs> table number 14. I'll have to uh, come up to pitch my own table with something new then. Um, oh, now, now you've presented a challenge. I have to bring Irish chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. Excellent. Well, thank you to the both uh, to, to both of you, Giselle and, and Maura, for joining me here and, and introducing the listeners to uh, to your table. Um, we all look forward to seeing everyone um, in Berlin in just one week time. Um, if you have not yet registered, it might be too late, uh, maybe not, but then you have to uh, go to the IBA website and double check um, um, or speak to the people who've, who've been there and ask them how it went. So again, thank you very much. Uh, and see you in Berlin. Thank you. Thank you so much. And looking forward to seeing all of you in Berlin. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bits.